0: Welcome to Quantum Magazine's podcast. Each episode, we bring you stories about developments in science and mathematics. I'm Susan Vallett. Your brain does a lot when you're asleep, and now scientists are looking at that background electrical activity to learn more about how the brain works and what it means for sleep, aging, and more. That's next. While you're listening to podcasts, remember to check out the other Quantum Magazine podcast, The Joy of X. Host Steven Strogatz interviews top tier scientists and mathematicians. New episodes out now. Also tell your friends about this podcast and give us a like or follow where you listen. It helps people find the Quantum Magazine podcast. At a sleep research symposium in January of last year, Jana Lindner presented findings on the brain. They hinted at a way to look at people's brain activity for signs of the boundary between wakefulness and unconsciousness. For patients who are comatose or under anesthesia, it can be all important that physicians make that distinction correctly but doing so is trickier than it might sound. That's because when someone is in the dreaming state of rapid eye movement or REM sleep, their brain produces the same familiar, smoothly oscillating brain waves as when they are awake. Lynchner argued that the answer isn't in the regular brain waves, but rather in an aspect of neural activity that scientists might normally ignore, the erratic background noise, Lentner came to the field with a background in anesthesiology. I probably had
1: the benefit of having a little bit of an outsider's view on neuroscience and a lot of neuroscience in the last years focus on oscillations and oscillations are like really important and everyone looked at oscillations. Although they only make up a small amount of the total power of the electric signal, they only occur at limited time points and most of the time the brain is actually not showing prominent oscillations. I'm curious, especially with REM sleep. In rodents, you see some oscillations, but in humans, it basically looks like the EEG in wakefulness. But there must be some difference, right? I mean, people are unconscious during REM sleep. Their brains doing very different things. So somewhere had to be an answer that might not be in the rhythmic oscillatory patterns. So I had the idea that maybe it would be worthwhile to look at this part of the signal, especially when looking at states that are not characterized by prominent oscillations.
0: Lintner says she got a lot of feedback from presenting her findings.
1: People were like really interested to hear about it. And I think especially in the sleep research field, people were like a little puzzled that this actually kind of contains information. And I remember I was in Salzburg for a talk and then they said, so you're telling me that there's like, information in the noise. I said, yes, someone's noise is another one's signal.
0: Lintner is one of a growing number of neuroscientists energized by the idea that noise in the brain's electrical activity could hold new clues to its inner workings. What was once seen as the neurological equivalent of annoying television static may have profound implications on how scientists study the brain. Skeptics used to tell neuroscientist Bradley Wojtek of the University of California, San Diego, that there was nothing worth studying in these noisy features of brain activity. But he studied changes in electrical noise as people age and looked at previous literature on statistical trends in irregular brain activity. That convinced him that they were missing something. So he spent years working on a way to help scientists rethink their data. Wojtek, who's an associate professor of cognitive science and data science, collaborated with neuroscientists at UC San Diego and Berkeley.
2: When I started at UCSD in 2014, and I was making this argument at talks and stuff, people were like, no, 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 that's ridiculous. You know, it's insufficient to go up in front of a group of scientists and say, hey, I think we've been doing things wrong you got to give them a new tool to do things right, which is kind of what prompted us to write the software so thoroughly. If we're going to say, hey, look, we don't think the field is doing it right, people won't listen to you. You have to give them a new way of doing things, right? That's why we ended up spending so much time on software development.
0: They developed software that isolates regular oscillations hiding in the aperiodic parts of brain activity. These include alpha waves, which are studied heavily in both sleeping and waking subjects. The work gives neuroscientists a new tool to dissect both the regular waves and the aperiodic activity in order to disentangle their roles in behavior, cognition, and disease. The phenomenon that Wojtek and other scientists are investigating goes by many names. Some call it the 1 over F slope, or scale-free activity. Wojtek has pushed to rebrand it the aperiodic signal, or aperiodic activity. It's not just a quirk of the brain. The patterns that Lenchner, Wojtek, and others look for are related to a phenomenon that scientists started noticing in complex systems throughout the natural world and technology in 1925. The statistical structure crops up mysteriously in so many different contexts that some scientists even think it represents an undiscovered law of nature. Lawrence Ward is a cognitive neuroscientist at the University of British Columbia. He says the idea extends into a wide variety of phenomenons.
3: Electrons queuing in wires, avalanches in sand piles, just all kinds of different things, really just all kinds of different explanations that should all boil down to the same thing. So there is still this feeling that there is some sort of really fundamental law of nature going on here. And complex systems seem to always be described in this way.
0: Published studies have looked at a rhythmic brain activity for more than 20 years, but no one has been able to establish what it really means. Now, scientists have better tools for isolating aperiodic signals in new experiments, and looking more deeply at older data, too. Thanks to Wojtek's algorithm and other methods, a flurry of studies published in the last few years have run with this idea, that aperiodic activity contains hidden treasures that may advance the study of aging, sleep, childhood development, and more. Our bodies groove to the familiar rhythms of heartbeats and breaths, persistent cycles essential to survival. But there are equally vital drumbeats in the brain that don't seem to have a pattern. They may contain new clues to the underpinnings of behavior and cognition. When a neuron sends a chemical called glutamate to another neuron, it makes the recipient more likely to fire. The scenario is called excitation. Conversely, if a neuron spits out the neurotransmitter gamma-aminobutyric acid, or GABA, the recipient neuron becomes less likely to fire. That's inhibition. Too much of either has consequences. Excitation gone haywire leads to seizures. Here's Wojtek.
2: If you're too inhibited, you lose consciousness, you go to sleep, right? That's how anesthetics work. And the balance of this excitatory and inhibitory component is super critical for like how the brain works. One thing that we think this aperiodic signal measures partly is that balance. And our method allows you to do that much more precisely. There's all these theories about different parts of the brain existing in an imbalanced state in things like autism, ADHD, schizophrenia, and so on. That's been mostly theoretical, but now our method allows you to more directly measure that more carefully.
0: To study the delicate balance between excitation and inhibition, scientists measure the brain's electrical activity with electroencephalography, or EEG. Cycles in excitation and inhibition form waves that have been linked to different mental states. For example, brain emissions at around eight to 12 Hertz form the alpha wave pattern associated with sleep. But the brain's electrical output doesn't produce perfectly smooth curves. Instead, the lines jitter as they slope up toward peaks and down toward troughs. Sometimes brain activity has no regularity and instead looks more like electrical noise. The white noise component of this is truly random, like static, but some of it has a more interesting statistical structure. It's those imperfections in the smoothness and in the noise that interest neuroscientists like Wojtek.
2: It's random, but there's different kinds of random.
0: To quantify this aperiodic activity, scientists break down the raw EEG data, similar to how a prism can break down a sunbeam into a rainbow of different colors. They first employ a technique called Fourier analysis, Any set of data plotted over time can be expressed as a sum of trig functions, like sine waves, which can be expressed in terms of frequency and amplitude. Scientists can plot wave amplitudes at different frequencies in a graph called a power spectrum. The amplitudes for power spectra are usually plotted in logarithmic coordinates because of their wide range of values. For purely random white noise, the power spectrum curve is relatively flat and horizontal, with a slope of zero, because it's about the same at all frequencies. But neural data produces curves with a negative slope, such that lower frequencies have higher amplitudes, and the intensity drops off exponentially for higher frequencies. This shape is called 1 over F, referring to that inverse relationship between the frequency and the amplitude. Neuroscientists are interested in what the flatness or steepness of the slope might indicate about the brain's inner workings. Cognitive neuroscientist Lawrence Ward says analyzing EEG data in this way is like looking at the sound waves from an audio recording made on a bridge over a highway. The hum of the tires from random passing cars would produce aperiodic background noise. But nearby trains that sound a whistle every 10 minutes would generate a periodic signal with peaks in the data louder than the background. A sudden one-time event, like a long horn honk or a vehicle collision, would produce a noticeable spike in the sound wave, contributing to the overall 1 over f slope. Awareness of the 1 over f phenomenon dates back to a 1925 paper by J.B. Johnson of Bell Telephone Laboratories, who was looking at noise in vacuum tubes. German scientist Hans Berger published the first human EEG study just four years later. Neuroscience research in subsequent decades focused heavily on the prominent periodic waves in brain activity. Yet 1 over F fluctuations were found in all kinds of electrical noise, stock market activity, biological rhythms, and even pieces of music. And no one knew why. Perhaps because it seemed so universal, many biologists dismissed the idea that looking at noise through the lens of 1 over f characteristics could yield useful signals. They thought it might be a form of noise from the scientific instruments used. But neuroscientist Biu Ha of New York University and others debunked that idea through experiments controlling for instrument noise. And it turned out that instrument noise was much smaller in magnitude than aperiodic brain activity. In a 2010 paper in Neuron, Ha and her colleagues also found that while EEG readouts, seismic waves in the ground, and stock market fluctuations all exhibit 1 over F trends, The data from these sources exhibits different higher-order statistical structures. That insight put a dent in the idea that a single law of nature generates aperiodic signals in everything. But it isn't a completely settled question. Lawrence Ward has found mathematical commonalities in different contexts and believes something fundamental could be going on behind the scenes. Either way, both Ward and Hu agree it's worth probing deeper in the brain. Ward says older brains, in which noise flattens with age, are particularly interesting.
3: Our brain, it does generate 1 over f noise because of the interactions between the systems at different levels. And I think maybe the flattening indicates that somehow that interaction is not working as efficiently as it does in a young brain. So The one thing I would like Wojtek to do, although I suppose maybe I could do it as well or try to do it, would be to try to understand what it is that's causing the flattening in the older brains.
0: Bradley Wojtek fell into the topic of aperiodic signals somewhat accidentally. He originally wanted to model and remove white noise from EEG data, but as he hacked away at a code to pull out noise, he started to pay more attention to what was interesting within it. The brains of older adults seem to have more aperiodic activity than those of younger adults. That's what Wojtek found in a 2015 study with his doctoral advisor, Robert Knight, a professor of neuroscience at UC Berkeley. Wojtek and Knight observed that as the brain ages, it's dominated more by white noise— they also found correlations between this noise and age-related working memory decline. Wojtek wanted neuroscientists to have software that could more easily and automatically isolate the periodic and aperiodic features in any data set, including old ones. That would help researchers look for meaningful one over F trends. So Wojtek and his team wrote a program for an algorithm that could do that.
2: The neuroscience literature we argue, has been more confusing than it should be because people have been mixing two signals together without realizing that they're mixing two signals. And our thing lets you separate them out. And then once you separate them out, you can isolate them a little bit better and say, oh, okay, now here's what we think is happening.
0: The demand for a tool like this became immediately clear. voitech and colleagues posted their code to the website bioarchive.org in April of 2018. It received nearly 2,000 downloads within a month, a big hit for a niche neuroscience computational tool. In November of that year, Wojtek moderated a standing room only talk at the Society of Neuroscience conference on how to use it. Because of its popularity, he organized a last minute follow-up session where his lab team provided tech support to dozens of interested scientists. The tutorial and email exchanges led to new collaborations One of those collaborations was Lendner's study of markers for arousal during sleep, published in the online journal eLife in July of 2020. With Voitex software, Lentner and her colleagues found that in the aperiodic noise of test subjects' EEGs, the high-frequency activity dropped off faster during REM sleep than when they were awake. In other words, the slope of the power spectrum was steeper.
1: We also started looking at epileptic seizures, where people kind of lose consciousness in these seizures. And we also see that there is a difference in slope between those states.
0: In their paper, Lentner and her co-authors argue that aperiodic signals can serve as a unique signature to measure a person's state of consciousness.
1: It works so well to differentiate wakefulness from other states of reduced arousal, like sleep or anesthesia. I was curious if this might be helpful in also like doing kind of a monitoring of coma patients and maybe even has some like prognostic value.
0: A new objective marker like this could also help to improve the practice of anesthesia. Other published studies that used Voitex code included investigations of ADHD medication efficacy and studies of sex-based differences in brain activity in people with autism. The code was published in the peer-reviewed journal Nature Neuroscience in November of last year. Thomas Donahue of UC San Diego, Matar Haller, then at Berkeley, and Eric Peterson, then at UC San Diego, were co-authors of the paper. Augusta Sestiuq of Berkeley and Wojtek were co-senior authors. The group demonstrated the code's performance on simulated data and its potential to reveal new findings. Natalie Chavaronkef, a postdoctoral fellow in Wojtek's lab, usually researches regular oscillations like alpha waves. Here she is with Wojtek. I mainly
1: look at oscillations, which are more beautiful than the apparatus signal. Uh, (laughs) And and adults have those beautiful alpha waves. So when you close your eyes, you have those beautiful waves. Kids have them, but infants don't have them at all. So they exhibit a very different type of activity where the oscillations only gradually emerge. And I was interested in how does that happen.
0: Exactly when and how the waves start to appear is an open question. Shavronkev used the algorithm to analyze an open EEG dataset of infant brain activity, in a recent paper published in Developmental Cognitive Neuroscience, Chavarankhev and Wojtek found large changes in aperiodic activity during the first seven months of life. But Chavarankhev says it's hard to say what that means. In this open data set, the behavior was
1: not annotated, so we can't really say, is the brain changing in a like structural way? We know that in this time period, there are structural changes going on. Or are the children becoming more engaged in the task?
0: Shavaron says more research is needed, perhaps with fMRI or refined behavioral analysis. Voitex code has driven a lot of recent research, but it isn't the only game in town for aperiodic noise analysis. In 2015, when Guang Wen of the tech company NVIDIA and Zhang Lu of the University of Michigan both worked at Purdue University, they published a different approach to isolating the periodic from the aperiodic components in brain activity. They dubbed it Irregular Resampling Autospectral Analysis. Meanwhile, Biyu Ha has been working on the topic since before either of these tools arrived on the scene. So too did late neuroscientist Walter J. Freeman, whose work inspired Wojtek. It's possible to do this kind of work by hand, though it's far more time consuming. Having a tool that allows neuroscientists to easily examine their data in terms of periodic and aperiodic signals is important because the data itself is just a set of numbers gathered over a specific period of time. A graph of points by itself doesn't say anything about brain functioning or malfunctioning. Wojtek says we can re-examine the huge wealth of data sets in the literature to potentially yield new insights.
2: We haven't been interpreting them as richly as we should. When I wrote the first tweet about introducing the world to this method, I did say something along the lines of, I think it calls into question past results. And that's not exactly accurate. I shouldn't have said it that way. But it does change the way that we should be thinking about the interpretation, and interpretation is what matters in neuroscience, right? Because that's what we base clinical decision-making off of, and like drug development and all this kind of stuff. And so if we've been slightly misinterpreting it, it means that we haven't been making as good of treatments, we haven't been making as good of drugs as we could have been.
0: A big limitation in scientists' exploration of these aperiodic features is that no one knows exactly what causes them physiologically. Sylvain Baye is a professor of Neurology and Neurosurgery, Biomedical Engineering, and Computer Science at McGill University in Canada. He says we need more research to clarify the respective contributions of different neurotransmitters, neural circuits, and large-scale network interactions. Baye says the advance that Wojtek's work brings is the ability for researchers to extract parameters automatically and objectively.
1: It's part of this long tradition
2: of observation studies in neuroscience. Okay, you change this and you see that the brain is responding in a different way. Which is important, but it's kind of limiting, right? Because the causes and the sources of these changes are still not identified. But we have to do this research. I think it's important to accumulate knowledge and
1: observations.
0: One theory is that aperiodic signals somehow reflect the delicate balance between excitation and inhibition that the brain needs to keep itself healthy and active. Jana Lindner says too much excitation may overload the brain, while too much inhibition may put it to sleep. Neuroscientist Robert Knight thinks that explanation is on the right track.
3: I wouldn't want to say I'm positive it's an inhibition, excitation, ratio change, but I think it's the most parsimonious explanation.
0: An alternative idea is that the aperiodic signals simply reflect the brain's physical organization. Based on how other physical systems reflect 1 over F behaviors, Lawrence Ward thinks there could be some kind of structural, hierarchical relationship in the brain that gives rise to aperiodic activity.
3: For example, the various levels of the neural system of the brain, neurons, columns, and brain regions, so individual neurons, groups of neurons, and whole brain regions, have this character of being a hierarchy of different numbers of cells and different numbers of interconnections and so forth.
0: These then form larger regions that work together.
3: The brain might in fact be generating the one over F noise or the aperiodic component of the noise in this way.
0: bi says brain activity related to 1 over f trends may be ideally suited to processing sensory input in the natural environment, since that often exhibits 1 over f-type fluctuations. Her 2018 study in the Journal of Neuroscience explores how the brain is able to make predictions about sounds that also have 1 over f properties. She says that suggests aperiodic activity is involved in processing and predicting naturalistic stimuli. It isn't surprising to her that music, from jazz to Bach, may also have 1 over F properties. After all, music is a creation of the human brain. To test hypotheses about where aperiodic signals come from, Wojtek says researchers need to look more closely at what kinds of neural circuitry could give rise to them. Neuroscientists can then try to link sites with those circuits to the brain's overall physiology. That'll give a better idea of which neural mechanisms generate specific activity patterns and predict how the aperiodic and periodic signals would look in different brain disorders. VoItech is also hoping to do more large-scale studies that apply the code to existing data sets.
2: One thing that we can do is we can map, we've already started doing this, is map the topography like across the brain of this aperiodic signal. Like, let's look at parts of the brain that show it more strongly than others or differently. And then try and link that to the physiology of, like, where is it coming from? Like, what are the synaptic and neural mechanisms that generate this signal? Because if we can map that, then we can make some predictions about what we'd expect exactly to see in different kinds of, like, cognitive or neurological disorders or psychiatric disorders.
0: Lindner and Knight are currently analyzing data on coma patients at the University of Alabama to see if aperiodic activity correlates with how a coma evolves. Their prediction is that if a person is coming out of a coma, a rise in high frequency activity in the brain will show up as a change in the one over F slope. Lindner calls the preliminary results promising.
1: This is just like very preliminary results, but I'm very excited because I think why this is also of practical use is actually we could use this marker not only to monitor depths of anesthesia, just like use it together with other markers that we already established. And it also would have a possible use in if you use sedation in intensive care unit or even for those coma patients or detect like maybe a seizure when it starts. So I think there are a lot of possibilities where you could actually help people.
0: For Sylvain Baye, the aperiodic signals in the brain are a bit like dark matter, the invisible scaffolding of the universe that interacts with normal matter only through gravity. We don't understand what it's made of or what its properties are, but it's out there in the celestial background, holding the Milky Way together. Scientists haven't figured out what causes these aperiodic signals yet, but they too may reflect an essential support structure for the universe in our heads. Something mysterious may help tip our minds from waking life into slumber. Carlstrom helped with this episode. I'm Susan Vallett. For more on this story, read Elizabeth Landau's full article, Brain's Background Noise May Hold Clues to Persistent Mysteries, on our website, quantummagazine.org. Quantum Magazine is an editorially independent online publication launched by the Simons Foundation to enhance public understanding of science.